0: I want to tell you about an amazing opportunity that is opening up for new graduates who are looking to build their acupuncture practice. Nava Karman is a leading acupuncturist and herbalist specializing in fertility, gynecology and the immune system. She has run the fertility support company for over 20 years. Nava is launching a new mastermind group exclusively for new graduates. This mastermind group will meet every two weeks to provide mentoring guidance and inspiration and will focus on clinical skills and the practicalities of building a business this will be a close-knit group of practitioners who will work together for a year to develop the skills and habits required to be clinically effective and financially successful I recently did a session with Nava. And what I like the most about it is how safe I felt about discussing my fears and worries. I came out of it with a list of very practical, achievable steps to implement change. There are only six places in the group, so you need to apply quickly. Go to www.fertilitysupportexpert.com/graduate. Hi, everyone. My name is Vanessa menendez Covelo, and this is the Fresh Needle podcast, where I interview fresh graduates and acupuncture students from all over the world, and we discuss their experiences as students or running their own clinics, particularly in these strange times of COVID-19. Our guest today is Pete Bemer. Pete is a graphic designer in Brighton, currently on a break from his four-year degree as acupuncturist and naturopath at the College of Naturopathic Medicine in London, UK. I first met Pete through his Instagram account, Higher Health Acupuncture, where his passion for natural health really shows through. Welcome to the show, Pete.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's nice to meet you.
0: <laughs> yes, it's, it's great. We've been friends on Instagram, I think probably for a couple of years now.
1: <laughs> I know, yeah, I think we have, and it's, right. um, yeah, it's always nice to catch up. <laughs>
0: Indeed. So the first question I always ask everyone is, how did you get into acupuncture or traditional Chinese medicine? And how and when did you decide to actually pursue it as a, a, you know, as a career?
1: Um, So like most people, I I experienced its benefits firsthand. And I think my first encounter with acupuncture was uh, maybe 20 years ago when I was at university. I was struggling with Crohn's disease um, at the time, and in desperation, I just tried lots of different therapies. Um, As I could clearly see back then that my medication wasn't fixing the problem, it was just masking the symptoms. However, being a typical student, I didn't have much money, and I think I only had two appointments, which wasn't enough to help treat a chronic condition. But, um, But nevertheless, the lifestyle advice that she gave me really resonated and stuck with me to this day. So, fast forward to 2014, and unfortunately I needed open surgery to remove part of my large intestine due to years of repeated flare-ups because of the, because of the Crohn's disease. Uh, luckily the operation was a success, and I felt like I'd been given another chance at life, you know, like a new, a new beginning. So that operation was a was a catalyst for me to invest in my health. So I started to research for my own benefit and read a little bit about Chinese medicine. And I think I remember reading somewhere that in ancient China, when when a patient became ill, the acupuncturist wouldn't get paid. And I just I just really love that. I love the way that the whole concept of healthcare was turned on its head. So um, so based on that little bit of reading that I did, I found myself going for regular acupuncture treatments to maintain good health for for myself. And and it turned out that my acupuncturist that I was seeing was was extremely passionate and and shared so much knowledge with me. I was completely engrossed from that point. Um, and also as well, at the time I was I was sort of searching for a different career. You know, a different path in my sort of lifestyle and career as well. And within a few weeks, I'd signed up to study um, acupuncture myself part time. So it, it really was quite a, a spur of the moment and impulsive decision.
0: Yeah, you've touched on a couple of um, really interesting points that I have been thinking about um, lately myself. Um, the the idea of acupuncture as a, a health maintaining tool because myself, I've been having acupuncture regularly. I think um, when I was working a lot, I was actually going every week just so that I wouldn't get ill. Um, but also then that brings the um, cost of acupuncture as an issue because, um, you know, acupunctures need to make money. Uh, rents are expensive if you rent a space for a clinic. So I think for a lot of people, it's something that they need to they need to almost see the immense benefit of regular acupuncture in order to actually choose to invest on it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you summed it up perfectly, and and that was my goal to to really invest in my health because I could see the benefits of it. And you know, when I when I mentioned about being a student. To, it wasn't possible for me to have, you know, those regular treatments because of the cost of it. Um, so, that, you know, that is something that is, is an interesting topic in itself about making it affordable for more people. I think it's uh, quite an interesting thing to, to think about.
0: Yes, yes. I, I think, you know, because there's been this push to make acupuncture available on the NHS. So sometimes they make it available. Sometimes they remove that, it seems like... Um, you know, the government can't quite make their mind up about um, acupuncture, but I know that the people that do it regularly, they just see it as an an essential tool for their own health.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it is a shame that, you know, many people wait until it's a little bit too late. Um, And I think it's a very English thing to do as well. You know, we brush off illnesses saying oh I'm sure it's fine you know it will go but it's looking at it the wrong way around so it'd be good to kind of try and change that and get across the message that it's it's not only there to help fix problems but can be there to help keep everything moving and regulated so that you you don't become ill in the first place which is what everyone wants.
0: Absolutely. So um, here in the UK, so uh, many people qualify as acupuncturist, and some of them either at the same time or later on, they also study TCM herbs. Um, you have chosen to study acupuncture and naturopath- naturopathy. <laughs> so, what made you choose that path? Um, where um, you know you study naturopathy as a complement to TCM. Uh, what made you choose your college? Do you have any desire to later on study TCM herbs?
1: yeah um i mean for me cnm offered the flexibility of studying part-time at the weekends Um, and their campus is located in london which is a fairly easy commute from brighton um and i I couldn't commit time-wise or financially to do another degree so in my mind a diploma was perfectly acceptable for me to get the ball rolling into becoming an acupuncturist um and it goes without saying, their core structure looks put on and really appealed as well. Um, and, your, and your question about whether naturopathy and acupuncture complement each other is, is quite an interesting question. Um, because on face value, they don't look like they would. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, many naturopathic principles are based on detoxifying in order for the body to self heal whereas Chinese medicine kind of frowns upon fasting and detoxing because you're depleting qi and vital force. Um, you know, and the same goes for excess pathologies in Chinese medicine. You know, the view is to have strong qi in order to move that excess. So if you weaken your qi further you know, through detoxing or fasting, how can that excess pathogen be moved? And that was, a, that was a contradiction that took me a while to get my head around um, while studying the two. However, you know, there are many more naturopathic health protocols other than the ones that we're all familiar with, like, um, you know, like liver flushes and fasting and, and enemas and things like that. Um, and as a naturopath, I can recommend such things as, you know, breathing techniques, sleep hygiene, um you know the effects of electromagnetic radiation dietary suggestions supplementation exercise you know things like that so although many of those still are detoxing by nature many of them looking at it from a a chinese medicine point of view will help nourish qi and move qi as well which is you know fundamental um and you know and looking back at my first acupuncture treatment 20 years ago It was actually her lifestyle advice that really had a profound effect. Um, So down the line, when I'm finally practicing myself, not only do I want to be using acupuncture as my main my main tool. um, I also want to draw on my naturopathic knowledge to help them tweak their lifestyles as well for the better. Um, I'm thinking about it now. it, It kind of depends on what kind of patient turns up to your clinic as well. Um, you know for example some patients may already be a little bit dubious about acupuncture even even as they walk through the door Um, but they've heard somewhere that it works so you know if I start talking about lifestyle changes such as um, I don't know like skin brushing to help with the flow of lymph you know because they're always catching colds for example they they're likely to maybe switch off and probably not come back, you know, if if in their mind, all that they came for was to have some needles to help with their, their sinuses. So it's all about gauging people and how receptive they might be to different advice. Um, but on the flip side, you know, like other patients, and I was one of them, they're really receptive to recommendations and lifestyle changes, and they will embrace all that you've got to say. And the same can be said for your question about TCM herbs. Um, and I'm actually quite glad that CNM currently don't incorporate it into their acupuncture course. Um, because for me, getting my head around TCM and acupuncture was, was quite enough. It's such a vast, quite often complicated topic. Um, I couldn't imagine adding on another layer of complexity that is TCM herbs as well. Um, and because of that, I, I feel like it should be studied. On its own individual course in order to get the the best from it Um, and yeah like I said it's about gauging your patients so you can have different um, different tools to use in your clinic Um, and after all acupuncture is just one pillar of treatment in Chinese medicine and TCM herbs is another of those pillars and on that basis I'd love to study it down the line just not at the moment because I don't think my brain could take any more. But um, yeah, the more the more you've got in your toolbox to help patients, the better. So I'd, I would love to study herbs for sure.
0: Yes, I feel exactly the same way than you do, because um, I love TCM herbs. And I've had them as a patient, and uh, they really boost my treatment um, enormously. But at the same time, as you said, it was exactly my experience that I, I had just enough brain power to get my head around TCM and, and acupuncture. And I think I want to, to get those concepts really settled in my mind before I, I go on studying Herbs, but you also touched on a really interesting point as well, which is not not just patient compliance, but actually patients being willing to change, um, you know, their lifestyle. Because when I was working in the city, you know, I presented with a very clear case of um, yin deficiency, and nothing, you know, the acupuncture helped and kept me going, but you didn't, I didn't really see the changes until I actually stopped working in the city and started, you know resting, sleeping properly, taking time off, looking after myself. So that's um, that's the difference between the patient that expects you to, to do all the work. So they turn up, you put the needles on them, they come out and they're feeling better. But I find that the patients that are actually willing to start looking at their life in depth and make the necessary changes, again, they amplify the effects of the treatment.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I haven't had much clinic time yet, unlike yourself, but um, I guess it, one of the skills of an acupuncturist is determining how receptive that patient is um, in terms of what they're willing to do to contribute to the treatment that they're receiving. Because, like you said, you know, some people, some patients will just expect everything to be done for them, you know, just have the needles done, do the treatment and that's it. But the more people can do to help um, take a hold of their own health, far more benefits they'll start to see for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, And speaking of health, you have had to interrupt your studies due to illness in May 2019 you were diagnosed with MDS a type of rare blood cancer which I imagined came as a shock as a young person that looked very healthy so could you could you explain what MDS is and you know how you got diagnosed how that happened
1: yeah absolutely I'd love to um yes it was a shock <laughs> um you know and although um I've just come through a really intense part of of our course um plus still working full time um you know I was strong fit and healthy so so for it all to come crashing down literally overnight was uh yeah it really was quite a shock it was all quite random um but yeah so after having a a routine blood test to monitor the activity with my Crohn's disease um which I wasn't that was all fine um a nurse phoned me this, the same day to say that I needed to make my way to A&E um, as all of my blood levels were dangerously low um, and I'd need a blood transfusion immediately. Um, so, yeah, that was quite a shocking phone call to receive. So, um, I, so I left work. Yeah, it was <laughs> a bit of a mad dash. So I just left work um, there and then. Um, and that was it. I haven't I haven't been back to work since. I am still working full time. Um, just at home now, which is the same for a lot of people, unfortunately. Um, but the reason I couldn't go back to work was because my white blood cells were, were so low, um, including my neutrophils. So effectively, I had no immunity against infection. So my isolation began in May 2019, which was a little bit ahead of what everyone else is experiencing right now in isolation. Um, so the blood test result that came back revealed that all of my bloods were low, which included, um, white blood cells, red blood cells, and platelets. So in a nutshell, what that means is that, you know, my immunity was pretty much zero. I'm anemic. Uh, my blood doesn't clot very well, which leads to excessive bruising. And for the doctors at the hospital, you know, these, these sorts of symptoms aren't to be taken lightly, um which unfortunately meant a few nights in the haematology ward for them to investigate a little bit further. Um, and obviously, I'd started to notice these symptoms starting to creep in, but I, <laughs> stupidly, I, I just thought it was spleen G deficiency from all of the, the studying that I was doing. Um, and I put it down to that. And, you know, and talking of study, I I did on cyst on interrupting my, my stay at the hospital to attend my end of year TCM exam. Um, there was no way I was going to miss it. So the timing was quite bad. Um, but the doctors did let me sign a release form. So I trekked it up to London. I did the two hour exam, which was a, a huge effort to do. Um, and I, I kind of struggled near the end. But I managed to finish it um, and I passed with a, a good grade. And, and then I made my way back to Brighton to go back to hospital. So that was a bit of a weird thing to have to do. But you know, when you're you're kind of ready for an exam, you've you've done all of your study and revision, and it's you, you've got your exam head on. Um, I just couldn't I couldn't miss it. Um, and luckily, it was our last weekend at college for the academic year, so it was it was nice to complete it in its entirety and not have to catch up on anything. Um, So anyway, it it took a few months to finally come up with a diagnosis, um, which turned out to be MDS, as you mentioned, um, and its full name being hypocellular myelodysplastic syndrome, which is kind of catchy. But what it means is um, it's a rare type of blood disorder, um, which is classed as a type of blood cancer, whereby the bone marrow is failing to produce blood cells Um, which which is quite a major issue for the body to have Um, and because of its complex um, nature I don't have an etiology near that they they don't know why I have it Um, and I've been seeing the hematology experts at King's Hospital in London where they have some of the the leading researchers on this topic in the world Um, so it's been quite a privilege meeting them
0: I understand exactly what you mean about wanting to sit an exam. I went through something very similar when I was, (laughs) um, when I was 17, literally a month before I sat my A levels, I was, um, I was, um, horseback riding and I fell in front of the horse and the horse ran over me. Um, and when I was in hospital, the principal from my school came and said, oh, well, you know, you can sit your A-levels next year. And I remember thinking, no, <laughs> that's just not happening. It's not an option. <laughs> um, so I did I did sit my A-levels. But I, I always wonder in terms of TCM, what is that? Is that the Shen coming through? Is that the Z? What, what does that kind of like... Um, Human soul coming through, uh, you know, just holding your body up for something that you really, really want to come through.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's quite amazing, isn't it? Because it's you know, it is such a, a dire, extreme situation. But yeah, there is something that just that willpower, like you said, just kind of pushes you forward to do the things that you want to do. <laughs>
0: Yes, um, because, you know, something that really comes across um, by your Instagram is that you have maintained a very positive attitude and you've been using this time wisely for self-healing. As you said, you've been self-isolating for a long time now, but, um, you know, your Instagram posts have always been positive. They've been enthusiastic. They've been reflective. Um, would you like to talk about, um, you know, how you've maintained this really healthy mindset?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um... I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure everyone is aware, you know, firstly, uh, that, you know, Instagram and all all social media can paint a rosy picture of life and doesn't always show what goes on behind closed doors. Um, You know, But and, and as you've commented, I tend to use that platform to express positivity and how to maintain good health. And for me, that that's really authentic content because that reflects my attitude in general. Um, and as, as a future acupuncturist, that's, that's what I want my business model to be based around, you know, hence the name Higher Health Acupuncture. I don't, I don't want patients just to walk in to my clinic, get treated and that's that. I want to try and send out positive vibes in all channels and make them feel good and empowered to be able to take hold of their own health, which is what we touched on a little, little bit earlier. Um, you know, and that's not to say I never feel depressed or defeated myself. Um, I would just personally never use social media as an outlet for those types of emotions. Um, you know, firstly, because my Instagram account is being built up for my future acupuncture practice. And secondly, I'm a I'm a, I'm a very private person. You know, I, I don't often talk about these things. Um you know, and, it's, and it's rare you'll see a selfie of me on my Instagram account. Um, yeah. <laughs> so a lot, of emotional, a lot of emotional struggle that I've dealt with over the year just simply hasn't been expressed on Instagram or anything, really. Um, and it was only due to the current pandemic that I started to talk a little bit more about my situation, um, as I felt many others could benefit from the experience that I've had. know by sharing my stories and advice Um, and indeed I don't think I'd be doing this podcast if I hadn't started talking about that so you know good things can happen Um, and actually my Instagram feed has been a true reflection of my healing process Um, you know nothing's ever for show the the posts that I write typically reflect what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis to help stay well Um, You know, and all of those things that I talk about on my Instagram feed um, regarding keeping uh, healthy—they work. You know, the proof is right here. I'm, you know, talking into this microphone. You know, I'm happy. You know, I laugh. I feel great, relatively. You know, (laughs) Um, all in all, in the face of having, you know, weekly blood transfusions, not knowing what the future has in store for me. And then, you know, things like not seeing my friends, my family and my workmates, uh, you know, not going out. I've missed weddings and parties. I can't kite surf anymore. You know, I'm not allowed to travel abroad. Um, if, you, if you start to top all of that up, it's, it's clear to see how easy it would be to spiral into depression, um, which I've had to work hard at, at not letting that happen and mindfulness has played a huge part in that um, which was actually introduced to me by my friend Luke um, which I'm extremely grateful for um, and I've I've personally experienced rock bottom in a way in which I've never experienced before over this winter just gone but by by slowing down you know being still and reflecting I've always managed to to get back on track um and one of the biggest things that i've learned is is to release negative feelings as well um and for all the men and women listening um it's okay mm. to cry you know and i and i've realized that it's good to let it out and you know linking that back to chinese medicine it's a way of um you know when you release your emotions it's it's a good way to help prevent stagnant chi and you know when Absolutely. you're not moving your chi which which emotions cover as well that's you start to get ill from that that process so you know people especially in england i think tend to not talk about crying you know men never talk about it it's 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 a bit of a taboo subject um but it's it's a really good thing to do you've got to let it out and it it really works um so yeah i'd say positivity rules i think (laughs)
0: Yes. Well, what's really interesting is that basically, as you said, you've been living the coronavirus situation in a way for a year now. And uh, these are all the things that people have only started to look at in the last, you know, three, four weeks. The how to maintain yourself healthy, positive, how to keep connected even when you cannot actually physically hug your family. You know, my parents are in Spain and all I can do is FaceTime them every day. And it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, Groundhog Day. Every day we call it are like, how are you fine? How are you fine? <laughs> um, but I think also, yes, to the releasing emotions. So I think I mentioned it. I, I used to work in the city of London. And one of the things that really has stuck in my head is, um, obviously, it was a very um, male-dominated world. And it was a world where it's important to appear um, almost macho, you know, like you cannot show weakness. And in one of my my jobs, you know, like the week I, I joined someone in a in a different office, it was an office in a country where there's a very um, patriarchal culture and a culture of um, you know men are strong and silent and women you know, clean the house. And, um, you know, that week a man in the office committed suicide. So clearly he was struggling and he didn't feel he could actually talk about it to anyone. So I think it's really important that you've mentioned that it's, you know, that we are all human and we it's okay to cry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And because I have experienced... um, isolation for for quite a while now i'm i do have worries about other people and how they're gonna um handle it as well because yeah every single person is experiencing it right now and you know a lot of people are going to be faced with really tough times so it's going to be difficult for for people to kind of break out of that um that anxiety that i quite often hear people talking about um uh, but you know, there's lots of there's lots of tools online, and you know things like this podcast as well are really helpful, um, just as like an outlet um, for information to people kind of to to learn about um, and realise that there are other ways to kind of deal with um, you know being cooped up all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I started the podcast because I found myself sitting at home, you know, I had started building my clinic. Um, I was to the point where I was, you know, I was starting to see a steady income on patients and that all went away, you know, one uh, one day to the next and I felt a huge sense of loss and I thought, well, surely other people are feeling like this and not just that we feel a bit bereft right now, but we're all worried about what's going to happen, are we ever going to go back to normal? Um, so, how are you feeling about, you know, how are you feeling about when you'll be able to open your own clinic? Do you do you think that's going to happen easily? Or do you think the uh, kind of like... Um, trauma from coronavirus is going to affect us all. In a way, I actually hope that people will take their health more seriously and that there will be more business for us, but I just don't know.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting thought. Um, I mean, for me, basically it's, it's pushed everything further back in terms of treatment and my studies as well, but that's fine. Um, and I literally have no idea when I can start again. Um, you know, for me at the moment, my main concern is just staying well um, and shielding myself from the virus because I'm I'm, a hu- I'm at a huge risk um, because of my compromised immunity. Um, so, you know, the only time I leave my flat now is to go for my weekly blood transfusions at the hospital. But um, I do have a garden, so I'm, I'm hugely grateful for that outside space. Um, you know, and, and although it is a big risk going up to the hospital the the interaction with the with the amazing nurses and the the cycle ride back home just makes it all that well worthwhile um but yeah my my main concern really is, is for others um because you know as i mentioned i'm sort of used to isolation now and how i've become um i've become accustomed to not really planning anything or thinking about the future too much because it's kind of kind of impossible at the moment um, but instead I've kind of learned to live day by day, day, um, and appreciate that, you know, this, this moment the here and now. Um, and yeah, I think many, many people will, will struggle with the fact that their futures have suddenly been thrown into chaos because they can't plan anymore. Um, you know, and reflecting back now, thinking about it, I was, I was always a big planner, you know i'd had my studies and then i had plans to open up my clinic and we were going to move house and all of these things but i've had to really adjust the way i think um and you know like i said literally live day by day almost and yeah you know there's some there's some great initiatives out there to help people through these things you know like like your podcast being one of them um you know so if that can help anyone then that's that's amazing for a start
0: yes it's definitely um strange times for everyone and it's it's one of these things where um because you mentioned um you know taking it a day at a time and i think that's fundamental for um for planners i'm a a wood kind of five elements wood person uh (laughs) I tend to get liver cheese stagnated, and I've had to really work hard these days at just, you know, letting go of that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So would you, you know, would you want to summarize as, as any parting words to our listeners who are currently worried about the future of their studies, their baby clinics? I mean, we've really covered um, everything, but um, I'm sure it's, it's always good to reinforce the ideas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would just say embrace the curvy, windy road that that life throws at you. Um, You know, if if it was a dead straight road, it it may be comfortable and cruisy, but I think it'd be pretty boring. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, any kind of trauma, life trauma, like a pandemic, for example, is a shock. Um, And I felt that as well with my diagnosis. But on the flip side, it's it's opened so many doors and has really changed my perspective of life for the better. So so that would be my advice, really. You know, let, let the future do whatever it's going to do because, uh, you know, you've got no real control about that. But maybe you know, try and use this time to to get creative and and have a break as well. Um, you know, for me, the last year has has allowed me to kind of slow down and think a lot more a lot more clearly um you know I am still studying at home but just not to a a curriculum so in a way you know I've because I've got no deadlines to work to the the study that I've been doing the reading that I've been doing is a lot less pressured and I'm enjoying it more you know I'm, I'm absorbing the knowledge a bit more um and I guess I guess this is my design marketing head speaking but you know you could be using this this time as well for exploring how your business can can, t- can continue to work in a lockdown you know you could do video consultations uh, explaining acupressure points and diet and lifestyle advice or you know you could be using this time to uh, you know still get creative and maybe refresh your brand or or tweak your website and if you're someone like me, if you're stuck between academic years or halfway through a year with your studies, um, just embrace it just yeah and, and rest assured everything will always work out in the end um, just maybe not how you imagined it. <laughs> so, so yeah that, that, that's it, I guess.
0: That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Peter. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you also to our listeners. Pete's Instagram account is Higher Health Acupuncture. I recommend you check it out. It's got fantastic advice. Uh, And thank you, everyone. I'll see you all in our next episode.